0: Hello, welcome back to But I'm a Professional. This is a professional development podcast in which a humble host and guide, that's me by the way, uh, will offer you some contextualized background on a common work issue or issue. Uh, We'll offer professional connections to that context and we'll finally give you a little bit of coaching on what you may be able to do in response to that issue you may be experiencing? Yes, that's what we do here. So grab your work laptop, gird your loins. Let's get professional, the developed. Come on in, let's get started. Okay, what are we talking about today? Ah, yes. Today's episode is called Talked At and Talked Over. While I'm sure everyone who's listening will have their own lived experience of the annoyance of being talked at and talked over and other poor communication devices. What we're focusing on today is more specifically the experience of women being talked at and talked over, and that being done in the workplace. Um, You may recognize this as being interrupted, and you may recognize this as being on the receiving end of the dreaded yet inexplicably tenacious mansplaining. Um, that's basically what we're going to focus on today. I mean, the experience of how women find themselves in exchanges that are, um, condescending, uh, insulting, presumptive, um, and often just rude, uh, that, that experience is varied and complex, uh, and certainly far too much for a, what I hope is a tight 40 minute episode. Um. So today we'll focus on just the, the talking over, uh, the interrupting and the talking at the mansplaining. We'll focus on those two varieties and perhaps in a later episode, we will address some of the others. Um, I mean, if we're honest, there's probably enough for an entire season, but well, I digress. Okay let us focus, let us start with the mansplain, the mansplaining phenomenon. Um, one time on the internet, I saw somebody refer to it as correctile dysfunction, and I thought that was very, very funny and it made me laugh for a long time. Um, mansplaining as a term sort of entered our vocabulary around, uh, 2008-ish, um, but obviously the, the phenomenon has been in existence for much longer. Um, I mean, if you want real lived evidence of that to Sasha Grandma, I'm sure she's got some great stories. There is an article in The Atlantic by Lily Rothman called Cultural History of Mansplaining. And it's, uh, it sort of, well, does that. Um, goes through the history of mansplaining. And I just want to read you this one quote here. She defines it as explaining without regard to the fact that the explainee knows more than in, than the explainer, often done by a man to a woman. Um, the article itself is great and hilarious and cringy and... Um, Yes, a lovely representation of how women have been dealing with this for a very, very long time. Um, I mean, similarly, if you, if you would like some, some further toe curling examples, all you need to do is just, you know, go on Twitter, basically. Um, you can follow any woman who's daring, who's having the very audacity to be something like a professor, uh, a scientist, a researcher, a mathematician, a software engineer, uh, an economist, heaven for friend et cetera, et cetera. I mean, yeah, there, there are no, uh, there are no lack of examples out there for you to, for you to see. And I'm sure if you're a woman, you've got many, uh, many examples of your own that you can bring to mind, but yes, it's been around for a while. Um but only recently has the term mansplain sort of been brought into our uh, common usage. I think perhaps the important thing to remember is that while it's easy to sort of make fun of it and to, you know, meet up with an eye roll, which sometimes you have to do, because that's all that's available to you. The other thing to remember is the, the purpose of, of that kind of conversation, um, that communication device right and it's it's to maintain imbalance it's to maintain a presumption of lesser knowledge of lesser capability of lesser intellect and it's done in a gendered way okay and so the real I suppose harm of of not trying to to do something to um to lessen it is is a persistence of that you know form of potentially microaggression or that form of maintaining an imbalance all the time, um, to the detriment of a woman's ability to to do well, particularly in the, particularly in the workspace or in professional spaces. There is a there speaking of there is an excellent excellent collection of essays by uh. Rebecca Solnit, she, I think originally wrote the essay, uh, entitled men explain things to me, which is fantastic. Um, and then it turned into a collection of essays. And then I think once the me too movement started, it was, um, it was, uh, um, updated and, and published again with um, some more additions, um, Uh, Let me read you a quote from that essay as well that I really like, Um, quote, a presumption that makes it hard at times for any woman in any field that keeps women from speaking up and heard when they dare, that questions young women into silence by indicating the way harassment does, um, the way harassment on the street does, that this is not their world. It trains us in self-doubt and self-limitation, just as it exercises men's oversupported confidence. End quote. That is the use of the presumption. That is the use of the mansplaining. Men explain things to me. Ah great title. Anyway, some recommended reading the the article um in the Atlantic and the Atlantic. Um by Rothman and uh, the collection of essays or the essay itself by Rebecca Solnit. Okay, so we, we all know what mansplaining is. We know what interrupting is. We know that it's um, it's rife and it happens all the time, but we want to focus in on the professional, how it happens in pro- professional spaces and how it impacts you professionally, because after all, that's what we are here to That's what we are here in aid of. Professional you. So, what does this have to do with your professional development? Well, I'm so glad you asked. professional development, professional spaces and places. Why should we care? What's this got to do with anything? Well, I suppose being talked at and being talked over are experiences that are, they're so persistent and they're so normalized in the workplace. Um, I, I demand that anyone listening to this episode, take action. I don't care if it's small, medium or large size action. I don't care, uh, which gender you identify with. I think it's all important. It's important for all of us to participate in the long overdue demise of, uh, this way of communicating with, with women, um, We ought to acknowledge how there is an implicit bias that most of us have on how much women talk and, and how that doesn't actually match what happens in professional spaces. It's a bias you have, you, you perceive women to talk more than they do. We perceive women to talk more than they do. Okay. And what that does is. It makes everyone more comfortable interrupting women, because if you perceive somebody to be talking too much, you're more comfortable interrupting them, talking over them. Um, If we're collectively perceiving women to, you know, be conversation hogs uh, and, and to take up too much time, then we... We feel far more comfortable. We feel actually righteous. We feel that it is our right to put a stop to it, right? And of course, you know, most of this is not happening at the forefront of your mind. It's just sort of your the background orchestra that's that's going on in in, you know, meetings and chats and conversations and all that kind of thing, okay? And so, you know, the i think i think we need to to reflect a little bit on the power of of social expectations as well because this is happening at the same time and what i mean by that the the social expectation is still you know disappointingly is still that women will behave well women will be nice if they're interrupted it's fine nobody you know there won't be pushback or or there won't be uh, a level of uncomfortableness um as there might be if you interrupted a man, for example. Um, so, you know, all of this is is sort of, again, that's it's part of your your background unspoken perception when you're um, having a conversation with a woman in comparison to having a conversation with a man, yeah. Women will also, when they're interrupted respond with fewer words in comparison to men who are interrupted um if you want to really depress yourself with this with a good study on this and other tidbits of information um there is a study called i'll oh, get a load of this power dynamics in supreme court oral arguments The relationship between gender and justice-to-justice interruptions. (sighs) Okay, what a title. Anyway, that is an article uh, published in 2019 by Feldman and Gill, and it is uh, about exactly that, the power dynamics in Supreme Court oral arguments. And so they measured uh, things like when female justices were interrupted, how many words um, they they responded with after their interruption versus how many words the men responded with versus uh sorry after the interruption. Anyway, the the argument coming out of this is that it leads to disparities in a balance of authority in the conversations that are going on, in the exchanges that are going on, right? And so if you think about this in in not necessarily in a Supreme Court oral argument situation, but just in your workplace um, if women are being interrupted more frequently, and if after they're interrupted, they're speaking less, then that conversation time dwindles on their end more and more, right? And so what does that mean? It means uh, a disparity in the balance of authority um, as it happens in, in conversational spaces, okay? I suppose the thing to bear in mind here is that our gender stereotypes and our implicit biases Um, often make us feel like women do a lot of talking, even though that's not the case. And in fact, women get interrupted much, much more frequently. And I should say interrupted by men and women as well. It's just everybody feels more comfortable interrupting a woman. So that's something to bear in mind. Um, and maybe reflect on, you know, uh, how much you do that in your workspaces. Um, I think the other thing to, to bear in mind, and, and this will come up over and over is as particularly when we're talking about what we can do in response is that often the responses to either being talked at or talked over, uh, for a woman are not those responses in, despite the variety of responses are often met negatively as well. Right. So that thing I was talking about earlier, um, you know, our social expectations that women will be nice, quote unquote, I can barely say that. It's because I hate it. I'm no, just kidding. It's because my braces, well, also I don't like it. Um, yes, the social expectation that a woman will be nice to you and that she should be nice to you. Um, if you interrupt a woman and she says, looks at you and says, don't interrupt me. I'm not finished yet. You are likely to have a different response to that, to a man looking at you and say, just a second, I'm not finished yet. And also you're probably less likely to interrupt him in the first place. Cause you don't perceive him as, as having spoken too much already, or you don't feel as comfortable subconsciously interrupting him. Yeah. I think all of these things are are important to bear in mind when you are choosing your response, because whatever response you choose probably isn't going to be as socially or immediately as uh, accepted as um, the, the being nice uh, as social expectation. However, that being said, I would argue we're not here to be nice, right? And we're, we're not here to, to maintain imbalance and we're not here to maintain some, you know, um, trash, tired, played out, busted way of communicating with each other. We're better than that. So I think we can all agree to collectively come together to hold ourselves and others to account to make the professional space better for everyone. I'm sure you want the same while there is a disappointing amount of literature in, in, um, sociology and, and psychology research on how negatively impactful it is for a woman to, to interrupt others or to otherwise speak like her male colleagues, it's, you know, um, I think it, it's, the responsibility of all of us to, to move ourselves out of that space and to move into a better space that, that sees colleagues as colleagues and, um, the potential that everybody has to, to do whatever it is they do, uh, to the best of their ability and to get away from this, you know, um, women have to be like this to be likable and, uh, men have to be like that to be likable and, you know, keep us in our, in our cages of, um, behavior, behavioral norms and expectations. Uh, but yes, I mean, I'm not naive. I don't, I don't, I am not going to gloss over the fact that if you are, if you are a woman and you are sticking up for yourself, you're probably going to be perceived as some as being quote, aggressive, Uh, whereas a man would be seen to be assertive, which is a disappointment. But, you know, if we don't, if we don't be the change we want to see in the world, then, then what are we? What are we even doing here? Right? Well, speaking of doing. Okay, lest we despair, we must come up with solutions uh, or potential ways forward to reduce the talking at and the talking over. Let's, let's do this, uh, let me talk to the, the men in the audience first, if any of you are still listening. <laughs> Hello? Um, also, if you're still listening, you probably aren't in the habit of mansplaining and interrupting women all of the time. Um, however, if you are a man and you are still listening, I implore you to take real steps to check in on, on several things and several areas. First of all, biases. Yes. Um, just check in on yours. You know, if you think you have a good handle on it fine, but if you're feeling brave, you could ask, um, some female colleagues, if you are in the habit of talking at or talking over them. Um, and for God's sakes, when they start answering that question, do listen (laughs) and take on, um, take on whatever's being said. Even if you, if your first reaction is to say, oh, I don't do that. Um secondly if you are um heading meetings if you're or or just even in them you know set yourself the challenge of for you know one meeting not interrupting a female not even once no matter what um and and sort of getting a sense check of how often other male colleagues do um you know if for no other reason, just for your own personal scientific, uh, curiosity about what your workspace, what your workspace is like for women. Um, if you're confident, uh, in your, um, in your behavior and, and I suppose you've confirmed it with female colleagues, um, if you're confident that you don't engage in mansplaining and interrupting disproportionately, um, Then think of, of the other, the other types of things that you can do. Think about allyship. Okay. Um, I want to be careful here because I, I would never like to suggest that, um, you know, men have to go around saving women from other men because that can really quickly, I mean, I think you can see the problems that that might come with. Um, however, often. Often, you know, these, these types of microaggressions and these types of behaviors happen because even if people notice them, they sort of don't say anything. Um, And, and sometimes it doesn't even, it doesn't take a a terrible amount of saying anything. Um, Sometimes it can be really, really simple. For example, okay, back to the, you know, you're in the meeting and Jane is speaking and she's, she's made one point. She's about to make a second point. And suddenly John interrupts her. And so instead of just letting that go on, well, you could interrupt John. um, But in a way that's not sort of like heavy handed, just more of, well, hang on a second, John. I, I wanted to hear that second point, Jane. Sorry, you were saying that we needed more feedback from our customers in blah, blah, blah. Just, you know, real quick, real simple. But, you know, again, like trying to, to rechart the course of the conversation so that it doesn't wind up with, you know, constant interruptions and Jane not being able to make her point and and so on and so forth. I'm not suggesting that you charge around the office trying to to um control all the conversations. You'd never get any work done. Um but yeah, think about how, or ask how you could you can be you know supportive if um, if somebody is uh, visibly struggling to hold their own in conversations and meetings, or or is and the receiving end of a latter interruption. I mean, likely it's probably going to happen to to younger females as well because they haven't learned to haven't learned to to be unlikable yet which is basically what happens to us women when once we hit a certain age where we think Do you know what? at some point <laughs> some point in trying to be likable is it, that it also doesn't work so you know um so yeah you'll find it um often in in sort of positions of lower rank and and potentially uh, a younger age um i think the final thing gents is when you're when you're about to launch into an explanation on something, and your audience is a woman, it's always a good habit to ask rather than to tell in the first instance, right? And so, what I mean is, instead of well, there was this fantastic paper recently on um coercive and legitimate power in sharing economies um i really think you should read it because it really uh, expands on some of the point you know rather than starting to, to from the explaining point uh mansplaining point you can start from the asking point have you have you seen that recent paper oh you have oh what did you think of it Oh yeah, no, that was an interesting point, wasn't it? Yeah, I really enjoy the blog. Like, you know, just, you you don't need to, to start from that point of I've read this thing and so obviously nobody else has read it and I must, I must, you know, share with everybody. Be curious, okay? I mean, the other thing to remember is that if you're particularly in a management position, it's also always a good idea to stop assuming that you know more than all women on all topics all the time, because you don't. Um, of course you're going to know more things than, than certain people on certain things. I mean, I hope you do, you're a manager or a leader or whatever it is, but but you know, you are a you are a better manager if you are are, for example, giving feedback that starts from a curious space, that starts with open-ended questions, that starts with asking them to reflect. What are your reflections on whatever has happened? Okay. Particularly if you're having that management meeting with a woman, right? And you know, starting from a place of curiosity and letting her talk and seeing if she identifies something that you were going to identify. Wonderful. She gets it. You talk about that for a second, not in, again, not in that explaining way, but okay, tell me more. Where did you think the problem was? What can we do to da 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 da? da and then move on to the next thing. Okay. It's, it's a very different vibe and it makes you a better manager and it makes her, uh, her professional development and her, uh, professional improvement, uh, much more, uh, quickly and efficiently. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so those are the things to consider for, for the two men who are still this thing. Um, consider your, your uncheck your, um, some, you know, unconscious bias, consider your potential for allyship and consider how you lead and how you manage and and what you can do to make changes there. Yeah. Right. Ladies, ladies, gather round. We ride at dawn. Um, <laughs> that would be great. Just a stampede. Uh, okay, what are we going to do? Well, while a part of me is very tempted to recommend the window smashing campaign popularized by the suffragette movement in the UK back in whatever year that was, because that was fierce. I'm not sure that would have the effect that we're after. Um, and I must say before I, before I offer you any kind of, of actionable points here, I, I wish to, I wish to appreciate, acknowledge and preface the, the issue of, I too am tired of women constantly having to modify their behavior in response to the poor behavior of men. And I, you know, I'm, I'm speaking hugely broadly here, that whole continuum of, um, you know, it's, it's, it's the responsibility of a woman to make sure that she doesn't get perved on or, she, or far worse. Um, is the responsibility responsibility of a woman to behave in a certain way in the workplace so that, you know, she is perceived as agreeable and likable and, um, you know, is able to then function comfortably in that space. I, I too often feel, ugh, why is it always on us? Like, why do we have to do everything all the time? I hear you. I hear you, and I see you, and I get it. However, I I also don't want to I don't want to take the position of, um, you know, well, it's up to somebody else because, you know, I I firmly stand by that idea that nobody's coming, right? And so, being proactive and trying to even if a system is broken, trying to find ways to function within it that will improve, um, you know, even your ability to just sit with yourself and, and think, well, you know, I've, I've, I'm doing the best that I can with what I have. So at least there's that, right. I, I don't ever want you to get into a situation where you were, you feel like you're dishonoring yourself with your behavior. So let us, let us, let us hold all those things together and, and, and come up with some, some real actionable, uh, steps to take. Okay. Right. If you are experiencing consistent and persistent interruptions, uh, and or mansplaining, I think one of the first things to do is to decide if backup is of any use for the steps that are to come because I appreciate that as you are out there listening, you're all working in very, very different environments. You're in different industries, you're in different countries around the world, you're in different cultural climates, you're in different, you know, um, setups in your professional spaces, um, as far as like hierarchies go and, and, um, you know, power, power imbalances and stuff like that. So maybe think about Um, if, if there's, if there's a need for some kind of backup and, and I'm not, I'm not being, you know, super, um, I'm not trying to be super scary here. I just, I mean, like even the backup of having a colleague in whom you've confided, um, you know, this guy interrupts me all the time. I'm going to, I'm going next time it happens, I'm going to speak up for myself and you know, if you could just nod while I'm doing that, I'd feel a lot better and I wouldn't feel so alone. Right. That, that's what I mean by backup. Right. Because, cause that is powerful. That is powerful in addressing, um, you know, the, the biases that humans have around like consensus and stuff like that, where, you know, a man interrupts you and it, it hasn't occurred to him that not everybody feels the same way that he does. Yet, if you didn't then say, oh, hang I'm I'm not done yet um, uh, let me finish. And then the person sitting next to you is nodding as you're saying that, then his brain is getting that, that information twice. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, perhaps think about, um, is, is that something that, that you need? Is that something that, that will work better in that, the space that you're, that you're in and, and, you know, going to, to make that. So going to, to confide in somebody and, and, you know, ask them to, to do, whatever little action it is you need. I mean, maybe it's just, you want them sitting next to you. Um, who knows? Uh, it's like I said, there's, there's such variety of listenership out there that, um, you need to think about what will work in your context. Okay. But yes, decide if backup is of any use to you and go get yourself some. Okay. Um, the next thing to consider is choosing the moment to identify the undesirable behavior either the interrupting or the mansplaining. And so again, same thing I just said, it's this is going to be hugely um based on where you are, um who the other party is, what industry you're in. la 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 la. la, la, la. So what we're trying to do here is to ask ourselves if addressing the undesirable behavior would be more effective in when you're having an exchange that's in the open office, because there'll be sort of more people around and it'll feel more casual and that will, that will land better, or is it probably going to be, um, more accepted in a private conversation where there isn't anybody around and nobody loses face? Or is it better to happen in the formality of a meeting? Because again, that'll, that'll have, um, a a more beneficial outcome where, where is probably the the best moment to start identifying the behavior? Because the other thing, I wouldn't like to suggest that you're going to do something once and then it's going to fix everything. It isn't right. You're battling a, a lifetime of training for somebody who's it's never occurred to them that, that their opinion isn't, isn't hugely valuable. Okay. And society has taught them such. So, you know, yeah, choose your, your moment to, to perhaps first identify the behavior and then, you know, continue to, to be mindful in choosing your moments. I, I I wouldn't want you to, again, I wouldn't want you to put yourself in a situation where, where either, you know, it's just going to be worse for you in the end, or You're going to, you're going to, um, wind up receiving undue pushback as a result of, you know, having, having chosen the wrong moment. Um, yeah, this is what I was saying earlier about like, it's, it's really hard. There's, there's no easy answer, but I think if you're mindful, I, I have absolute faith that you can, you can find a good one. Um. The third thing to consider is um, what you're gonna say, yeah? And I would say, come up with something before the actual situation presents itself, because often when the situation presents itself, you know, you're gonna feel frustrated and so you're probably not gonna be able to articulate yourself as well as you would like in the heat of the moment, as it were. Um. so if you can, if you can decide some words that are, you know, factual and, not sort of emotive, uh, reactionary type responses. Um, I think that would, that would do better for you, um, to support your, to support your point. I'm try to think of some, ex- I mean, what you want to do is you, like I said, you want to use words that are factual and they sort of quickly make, make it clear, um, you know, you're identifying what you want to happen differently in the conversation that you're having. Right. Um, I've sort of given you some examples, um, peppered throughout the episode, but you know, when somebody's interrupting you, just them interrupting you and you saying, just let me finish my point. And then, you know, finishing your point and then, uh, going back to them. That's one way, you know, simple, clear. I just want to finish my point here, Ed, zip it, um, but again, depending on what sort of of environment that you work in, you might work in a much more informal environment. So, it, you know, your language is gonna uh, is gonna differ depending on where you are. Um, I'm not sure that that sarcasm is is an easy one to to recommend. Um, but you know, if you're in an, in an environment where humor and stuff uh, is really helpful to um to make the situation easier for everyone uh, then maybe that's something to consider too um i think that's really tricky though because again it's not received the same way uh with women as it is with men so you know yeah consider what you're going to say that's really important um so that you're not having to come up with something while it's happening and you know you, all you can see is red. It's a very difficult way to speak. If you're in a conversation where somebody is, uh, a man is mansplaining to you again. Um, I think it it might be, it might be really valuable to interject and, and to, get more comfortable with, with, uh, pulling, pulling the conversation, getting the reins of the conversation and pulling them back into an area that you want them to go in, that you would find more useful. And you can say things like, sorry, just if I could help shape this conversation, so it's better suited to what we both already know, or it's going in a direction that we're, that we both understand something like that, or, Yes, I'm familiar with blah, blah, blah. Actually, I was wondering more about blah, blah, blah. So you sort of, you know, just re-chart re, um, the conversation. Um, again, I'm not suggesting that that's easy to do, particularly if you're in a power imbalanced conversation. However, um, I still think it's an important one to try. Um, Maybe eventually, maybe if, if you're in a, if you're in a power imbalanced exchange with the mansplaining, for example, this is somebody who's, who's managing you or, you know, got some sort of leadership or, or director uh, role above you, um, either all the time or on this project, you might want to, to um, address the issue on its own. And then when it comes up in conversation, you can re-identify it. Um, I mean, I would imagine that, uh, whatever is happening is, is due to a complete and utter, um, uh, miss on your manager's part, as far as, um, being able to critically refle- self-reflect on how they speak to you. They, they probably don't. Um, it's not you, it's them. You know what I mean like they're just they're so unaware of what they're doing and so if you do um have a conversation privately with them about that it will probably come as a surprise to them because it would never have occurred to them what do you mean um and and of course you know if you are going to take that if you are going to take that approach um being honest and again, identifying what it is that you find problematic and then identifying what you wish to happen instead, that's really useful because, you know, otherwise they'll probably just get defensive, yeah. Um, so yeah, those are, those are some, some um, responses that you can say in, uh, as the behavior is happening in the moment. Um, if you are encountering that repeat offender situation, uh, so somebody that you're working with on a regular basis and they regularly interrupt you and they regularly, um, stuff to you, then that, that, um, private conversation is probably, uh, probably going to be more useful because, um, I, I think it would just take too long. Like every time they interrupt you being like, you know, don't do that or whatever. Um, I'm not suggesting that you don't do that in addition to, but also like, you know, actually pointing that behavior out to them, I think is is going to be useful. Yeah. Um and and with examples, yeah. You're, uh when you're when you are pointing out that behavior, you're explaining exactly what happens um why you don't like it and then what you wish to see, right? So, for example, during our feedback session last week, You explained concept X, which I'm already familiar with in our feedback sessions. I would find it much more useful and effective if we could focus on areas I'm less familiar with, such as concept Y, whatever it is. Um, Potentially in the future, you could ask at the beginning of our meetings, what it is I think, or what it is I think we should focus on. Something like that. Something along those lines. Yeah. Um, similarly, if this is, if this is a situation where you're dealing with the, um, somebody who's, who's managing you and responsible sort of, uh, for your, your development in some way. I would highly recommend trying to find more proactive approaches to conversations with them. Um, you know, coming to meetings prepared with items that you actually need to know more about and, and, and trying to, um, you know, get those in first. And I, and I don't mean in a, in a, I mean, in a very, um, a very open way. Next time we have a meeting um, a few, you know, in our meeting next week, whatever, a few things I uh, I have a few things I'd like to focus on. If I could present those first and then we could move from there, I would find it really helpful. Something like that. Right. Um, I mean, it might be the case that also your manager is a bit of a lost cause and because that does happen. And so sometimes, Sometimes it's helpful to find other opportunities to work with other managers and leaders. Not necessarily that they're going to line manage you or, or they're going to um, become your manager or anything like that, but I suppose like working with them if a project comes up that's available and learning informally in those environments and taking that learning back to your manager and stuff, like it, it, it shifts things and, and also broadens your perspective on, on different types of leadership and different types of management and stuff like that. So, you know, if that's, if that's something that you can pursue in your, uh, in your organization, I think that's a really good idea too. Um, I mean, if you wanted to be really petty, I suppose you could print out articles on how to be a better manager. And, you know, hand them to your manager and say things like, well, I've highlighted some parts that I thought you would find useful. And, you know, the whole thing's covered in highlighter. Um, oh God, don't do that. (laughs) I mean, as as much as a part of me is combative uh, to a certain extent, I don't think that women often don't win in those situations. So we we tend to have to be a little bit more, um, had to be a bit cleverer in our approach, unfortunately. You could just leave them around the office anonymously on his desk. Anyway, yes. If you are dealing with a repeat offender, you're going to have to do a little bit, I think more persistent, consistent, small steps, little and often work than you would with somebody who's just, you know, you see them once a month in some kind of meeting and they're, you know, a bit of a, bit of a dickhead. So yeah, uh, choose your battle, choose wisely a few things last but not least um don't forget the little things about how important it is to take care of yourself and to keep yourself composed in these sorts of exchanges as well again not just because you want to be perceived in a certain way but also just because you want to make sure that you're not constantly feeling stress all the time it is not worth it work is never worth your health and so you know even even when we're we're trying to come up with with like you know the right terminology to use or the right phrasing to use or the right moment or you know the allyship and all that kind of thing that's all valuable that's all important but we mustn't forget to take care of ourselves and so when you're having these annoying exchanges um you know, maintain good posture. Keep your shoulders down, away from your ears. Keep your your uh, breathing, uh, your airways open. Breathe steadily as much as possible. Hold eye contact. Um, keep your parasympathetic system under control in in a uh, an attempt to to preserve and and take care of yourself because really that's that's hugely important. And I think when we're in stressful exchanges, it's very, very easy to, to quickly forget that. Okay, don't be afraid of silence. Don't be afraid of breathing. Don't be afraid of staring at somebody and then, uh, you know, getting your words back and then saying something. Um, yeah, don't don't forget yourself in any of these things. Yeah, not worth it like I said, men who, men who talk at and over women are so unaware often of what they do. Like you barely factor in. Okay. Um, I mean, the fact that you're a woman is, is, you know, the, the, the really the deciding factor. Right. And, but it's not you. And so it's, it's a good idea for you to put you first. Right. But that also means taking care of, of yourself in these like I said, um, annoying and somewhat stressful exchanges. Okay. Don't leave you out of it. Yeah. Okay. I think that is quite enough. Ladies, you're doing just great. Let me tell you, let me explain something to you. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Oh, if all else fails, just quit. Start your own company. Women only. Um, There you go. Problem solved. Never need to be mansplained to again, except on the internet. As always, dear listener, I would like to thank you for tuning in this week to listen to yet another episode of But I'm a Professional. This episode was brought to you by a listener in Australia um, who requested that I do an episode on mansplaining, and I hope she found it useful in some way, shape, or form. Uh, Similarly, if you found it useful, please uh, share and share again. Or send it to the man who mansplains to you. Brilliant. I mean, he wouldn't make it first... Past the, the opening, let's be let's be real. If you can stand it, follow me on Twitter uh, at but I'm a uh, I have a Substack. Uh, you can find me by googling Substack Nancy Elizabeth. Um, that's where I post the notes for all the sh- the um, episodes that I do, and. How else can you get in touch? Uh, You can email me at butimaprofessional at gmail.com. Other than that, I hope you have a great week. I hope nobody talks at uh, nor over you. And I look forward to seeing you here next time. Thanks very much for listening. Bye.